Our reading today is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Good morning. Lovely to see you all this morning. Whether you're here in person or online, we'll see how long we get before the mic cuts out. Hopefully it will last. But this morning we're continuing this series called Four Things. And during the last few years, these are the four simple truths that have really just sustained me and encouraged me in my own relationship with God. And my hope is that you'll remember these things, you'll rest on these things, these four simple truths as we go throughout this year, 2024. And hopefully they will encourage you in your own walk with God. So last week we looked at God's promise, the promise of his presence, that wherever you go, whatever you face this year, God is with you. And next week we're going to look at a biggie, the goodness of God. Is God still really good when bad things happen in our lives? And then the week after that we're looking at his provision, how God is working, even in all the mess and the chaos. But this morning is a wonderful subject. Today we're looking at the love of God. God loves you. And the question I'd love you to just reflect on, we're going to be reflecting on for this whole passage. If you've got a Bible or your phone or wherever you're looking at this, keep it open please at Romans chapter 8. We're going to be referring to that. But I'd love you to reflect on this question. What could God do in your life if you allowed him to fill your heart with his love by the Holy Spirit today? What could God do in your life if you allowed him to fill your heart and your lives with his love by the Holy Spirit today? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. And we pray, Lord, that you be speaking to each one of us this morning by your Holy Spirit, spirit to spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. A group of children were asked to describe love. And Elaine, who was age five, said this, Love is when mummy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. And then an eight-year-old boy had a different theory. He said, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something, but afterwards it's not meant to be painful. And then Greg, aged eight, says, Love is the most important thing in the world, but football is pretty good too. And then my favourite is Emily, who is aged eight. She said, Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mummy and daddy are like that, but they look gross when they kiss. Adults are also confused about love. In a recent survey, 58%, 58% of people surveyed said they could live without love because they'd been hurt and scarred from past relationships. And of course, the love that many of us experience and the relationships we have and we see in the movies, 
is so different to the love that the Bible speaks about, isn't it? So what's so amazing about God's love? Well, the first thing, and I'm sure you all know this, John 3.16, the first thing about God's love, it's unconditional. God's love is unconditional. And it means what it says on the tin, that there's no conditions to God's love. J.I. Packer wrote this wonderful book called Knowing God, where he talks about the attributes of God. And speaking about God's love, he says this, because God is self-existent, his love has no beginning, because he's eternal, his love has no end, because he's infinite, his love has no limits. God's love has no limits. He loves you today totally, unconditionally. And there's nothing you could do or say that will make him love you any more or any less. Some of you will know that I was adopted as a small child, as a baby. And um, the story sort of around my adoption is, like my adoptive father was out one day, he bumped into a work colleague, and his work colleague was carrying me, this baby, in his arms. So my adoptive father said, well, who's that? He said, well, this is my nephew. And um, my father said, um, so what are you doing with him? And um, my uncle said, well, I'm taking him to the children's home. No one in the family could look after him. And one thing led to another, and I think there was some prayer involved, thankfully. But my um, doctor father ended up taking me back home. He popped out for newspaper, a loaf of bread, came home with a newspaper under one arm, a cut sliced loaf in one hand, and a baby under the other arm. I, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I'm not sure how you explain that to your family and your children. Thankfully, the adoption process has tightened up a lot since then. <laughs> But I was a baby, I was seven months old, and um, there was nothing I could say or do. I couldn't say to my doctor father, well, if you adopt me, if you love me, if you bring me into your family as your son, I'll do X, Y, and Z. Or when I get older, I'll buy you a house, or I'll be the best son you've ever had, or I'll look after you in your old age. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even speak. I was purely at the mercy of people's grace and love. And because of this grace and love of this person, this family, they took me in as their son not because of anything that I did. I think that's just a glimpse, a small glimpse of what happens with us and God. The Bible says that we are adopted into his family, not because of anything we say or do, but because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love. He adopts us as sons and daughters. He brings us into his family. Romans 5, chapter 8, a bit further back, when we were reading, it says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still far away, while we were still living in mess and chaos and enemies to God, that's the point that God says, I love you and I'm willing to give my son to die for you. And I want you to get this because it's such an important verse. God loves you full stop. God loves you end. There's nothing that you have to add on to that. That's the end of the sentence. It's nothing to do with what we say or do. It's not how we serve or don't serve. It's totally unconditional. This morning, God loves you. And if you're here today and you don't think you deserve God's love, then you're absolutely right. If you're here today and you think you're not good enough to receive God's love, you're absolutely right. Because it's an act of grace, mercy, and love. It's totally unconditional. No matter where we'd say we're on the spectrum of faith, or maybe we're not even on that spectrum at all, or maybe we've been Christians for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and we're thinking, we, actually, I woke up this morning, and you don't know what's going on in my heart and my life. It doesn't matter. There's no conditions to God's love. 
That's why there's the cross. That's why Jesus died for us. God's love is nothing like our love. There's no conditions. You don't need to seek his approval. You don't need to earn anything. He just loves you as you are. That's the first thing. God's love is unconditional. Then the second thing, God's love is the greatest security. It's the greatest security any of us could ever have. God does, doesn't just love you unconditionally. He invites you into a relationship that has the greatest security. Love is all about relationships. And Jesus tells story after story to try and describe to us God's love and his desire to be in a relationship with you all the time. That's why he tells the stories like the prodigal son. This son who's selfish and goes off and does his own thing, yet the father's just waiting for him to come back. And then the father runs to embrace him and says, you are my son, and he celebrates. And he tells the story of the lost coin. The woman searches everywhere around the house just to find this one coin that's so precious to her, which is meant to be an image of how precious you are to God. He tells the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep. It doesn't make sense to leave the sheep unattended, to go and find this one lost sheep. But again, it's a story, it's an image of God's trying to express something to us of how valuable and precious you are. That even when you're lost, and you know, the things about sheep is they're not that clever. They're quite dumb and stupid. And they get caught up in whole loads of stuff. A bit like you and me, really. We get caught up. We make mistakes. We mess. We fall up. We fall, don't we? And yet Jesus says the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and find that one sheep. And then brings him back home. That's how precious you are to God. God loves you. He delights in you. He sings over you. He rejoices over you in singing. And the language which is used in Romans chapter 8 is lovely. Um, Paul writes this letter to the Romans and he says, nothing can separate us from God's love. Well, to be separated, it means somewhere along the line that you've been joined and you've been connected with God. It's not that just God loves you, but when you, when you invite him into your heart by the Spirit and say, Lord, I want to follow you, I want to be a follower of Jesus, there's a joining, there's a connection, there's a relationship. And what Paul is saying is nothing, there's nothing that's going to separate this relationship, this joining that's happened between you and our Heavenly Father. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the great security that there's nothing that can separate you from this relationship. The context of that reading, which Christine was reading to us, is it's not a cosy verse about love. It's not something poetic and lovely. The context is this is about pain, suffering, disappointment, chaos, challenge. It says this, Paul says this, he says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We consider the sheep to be slaughtered, knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. This is about the love of God in the challenging situations of life. Actually, when you're under pressure, there's nothing that will separate you from God's love. When you mess up, there's nothing that separates you from God's love, from this relationship. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that can ever take away your relationship with God, even your own doubts and failures. And Paul goes on to say this. At the end of chapter 8, which is one of the greatest chapters, the greatest passages of the whole Bible. He says, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
He's saying because of the cross, because of Jesus, there is nothing that can separate you from God's love. And if you're here this morning, you have doubts about your relationship with God, or at some point this year you mess up and you start doubting, remind yourself of these verses. Be encouraged. There is nothing that will ever separate you from God's love. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that gets in the way. In the Old Testament, there was the Day of Atonement. And if you know about the Day of Atonement, it was where they had the Ark of the Covenant, was in the temple, and inside the Ark was the stone tablets which God gave to Moses, which was the law. And this was the law that the nation of Israel kept breaking again and again. They kept messing up. They couldn't live up to the standard which God had, a holy God had for their people. And on the Day of Atonement, the top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the Mercy Seat, and the priests would go into the temple, and they would sacrifice a goat and a bull. They'd sprinkle some in front of it, and some on top of the Mercy Seat. And God looked down upon the Ark, upon his law which had been broken. Covering his law, covering it, was the blood, the sacrifice. And he just saw the blood, and he forgave them their sins. And in the New Testament, it says that the mercy seat is now Jesus. And the blood is his blood he shed on the cross. And in the same way, God looks down at his perfect law, all the messes, all the mistakes we make, the times we fall, we fail, and he just sees Jesus' blood. He sees Jesus. And he forgives us again and again and again. It doesn't matter what mistakes you make. When God looks down, he just sees the blood of Jesus because of the cross. That's what it means to be justified. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees Jesus. And Paul says in verse 33, he says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one condemns you. Because when God looks at you, when the Father looks at you, he sees the price that Jesus paid. He sees the blood. And he says, you are my son, you are my daughter. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. You are part of my family. There's nothing that will ever separate you from God's love. God's love is unconditional, and it's the greatest security. When you give your life to Jesus, there's nothing that will ever get in the way of that. Then the third thing is, God's love is a reality to experience. It's unconditional, it's the greatest security, but it's also a reality to experience. So firstly, God's love is not something you just know in your head. It's something that you experience also in your heart. This isn't just a nice thing to know. It's great to know that God loves us and we go into the day and go home and get on with our lives and we think, okay, that's nice. God loves me. It's something you experience that brings healing and transformation and changes hearts and draws us closer to God. It's something to encounter, experience. Secondly, the language that Paul uses is like a flood. I don't know if you've seen the images of the floods that have been going on over the last few weeks, particularly around sort of the Shepparton area. And you'll see streets almost totally submerged with just like the tops of cars or just a few signposts. You know, terrible, horrific images of the hearts go out to the families who have suffered that. But that's the image and it's the language that Paul is using here. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he says... God has poured his love into your hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. Hope does not disappoint us. God pours his love into your hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. 
And the language he's using is the language of a flood. He's not gently pouring his love. It's not a trickle. He says it's like a flood of the Holy Spirit. God floods our hearts with his love. I have a, a friend, a very dear friend, who always knew that God loved her. It's one of the great phrases from Karl Barth, who was a great Swiss theologian, who wrote loads and loads of books on theology. And when someone asked to sum his whole theology up, he said, I can sum it up like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. And my friend was brought up with that. She knew that. She knew in the head that God loved her. But she never experienced an encounter in her heart. And after sort of decades of being a Christian, one day someone prayed for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And she describes it like a, a wire or a tube had gone from her head to her heart. And for the first time in her life, the thing that she knew and she believed, she started to encounter experience in her heart. She said it was like God was flooding my heart with his love by the Holy Spirit. It changed the course of her life. Through that experience, she was called into leadership. She gained a new ministry. And many, many people over the last few decades have become Christians, have come to faith through her ministry. From that moment when God flooded her heart with his love. Go back to that question at the beginning. What could God do in your life if you allowed him to fill your heart with his love by the Holy Spirit? today. Maybe he wants to restore and heal something where there's brokenness. Maybe he wants to break your heart for the least, the lost, the broken, like my friend, for something new. What might be the new thing that God wants to do in your life today? Would the bands like to come up? And if you're able, would you like to stand? God loves you and he loves me. It's a great truth from the Bible. God is love. He loves us. His love is totally unconditional. It's the greatest security. But it's also a reality to experience. This isn't something nice to know. This is something that restores us, that heals us, that ministers to us. And actually we serve out of the overflow of God's love in our life. You can't do it without God's love. If you try to serve, you'll soon get disappointed or dry or tired or worn out or hard-hearted. The interesting thing about my friend, she spent most of her time serving people who are addicts, people in prisons, people who were so far removed from her background, her lifestyle, her circumstances, her upbringing, that God broke her heart by his love. We're going to just pause and invite the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. and We want to pray that verse from Romans 5, 5, on each of us, on myself and everyone gathered here, that you would pour your love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit whom you've given us. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
and you'll know where you are with your relationship with God, where your heart has maybe become hard over a period of time and it needs to be softened. So that you could be more kind, more generous, more forgiving. You'll know where you've doubted the love of God yourself. And you need to experience that afresh in your life. It's not based on anything you've done. It's not based on winning his approval. Yes, God wants us to surrender to him. He wants us to spend time in the word and prayer so we can get to know him better and grow in our faith. But his love's not dependent on that. He loves you because he loves you just as you are. There's a song wrote by a man called Corey Asprey called The Reckless Love of God. It's a wonderful song. That God's love is just courageous, it's reckless, it's so different to our own. And he says this about his son. God is unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety, comfort and well-being. God's love isn't crafty and slick. His love bankrupted heaven for you and me. His love doesn't consider himself first. It isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what we'll be going to gain or lose by putting himself on the line. He simply puts himself out there on the off chance that we might give him love in return. His love isn't cautious sent his son to die a gruesome death on the cross. There's no plan B with the love of God. God gives his heart so completely again and again and again. Time and time again. It's the love that God has for you. Receive his love afresh today. unconditional, the greatest security. But it's for you to encounter in your own heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're for us. We thank you in the good times, but also the the painful times. The times when we bring you joy and the times when we feel we disappoint you. You don't love us any less. And we pray, Lord, that as you fill us afresh with your love today, that this wouldn't just be head knowledge, this wouldn't be an intellectual nice thing to know, but this would be something which heals and transforms and is the fuel for us serving you and living out our lives here on this earth. Fill us with your love, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you felt God speak to you today and you want prayer, you can contact the church pastoral team on email on pastoral at stsavs.org.